Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been laying. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, what a weekend in college football it was. We had upsets, we had overtimes, we had some unbelievable games with so many points being scored. I've got some crazy stats that we're going to dive into. We're going to break it all down in this week six roundup. Be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Drew Butler. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 and I know that you have checked out puntandpass.com by now. If you haven't, head on over to puntandpass.com. It's got everything you need for college football knowledge. That's right. It's got a blog up there. It's got everywhere that our podcast is distributed and YouTube. You can see Aaron and I talking to each other. We are handsome. We are smart. It's fantastic, if I say so myself. Aaron, what a weekend in college football. We'll touch on all the games of note but boy, that 12 o'clock noon slate hit us right in the face, and it, it turned into upset Saturday pretty quickly. Florida going down to Texas A&M. I did not see that happening. The Gators lose 41-38. to Yeah, I mean, it was an awesome start to the weekend with those 12 o'clock games. I mean, I was just bouncing back and forth uh, between my computer. We had a couple TVs going, and it just it was hard to keep up, man, but it was awesome football. It really got your juices going early on a Saturday, but, you know, listen, you know, we've been talking about this Florida defense for weeks now and, you know, and, and I was defending Grantham a little bit and saying, listen, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They didn't play that bad versus South Carolina. Um, they played bad this week. They, yeah. got, they, got, they got crushed right up the middle. I mean, they, they couldn't stop anyone. They couldn't stop the run. Isaiah Spiller for, for Texas A&M rushed for 174 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And, and let's give, you know, props to Kellen Mon a little bit. Yep. Kellen, Kellen played his best game against a ranked team. I mean, Kellen plays these type of games against teams that aren't very good. Kellen has yet to play a game like this, 25 or 35, 338 and three touchdowns against a top 10 team. I guess against one of the big boys within the SEC. Yeah. So a really clean game. I was really impressed with him. Very happy for him. I mean, that, that, that's a huge weight off his shoulder for him uh, and that entire football team. And, and, and I was worried, man, if they lost this game to Florida, which obviously is a little bit in doubt early on in the game, um, I was afraid that the locker room there for Jimbo was going to be completely lost for the season. Mm-hmm. Huge win for them, getting some confidence. Um, and that's 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 for Florida. You know, all, all hope is not lost, obviously. If you're able to go out there and, and win the remaining games and, you know, somehow win the SEC championship game, you're still in. But now it's, 
it's 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 go time now. There's no more screwing up on the defense side of the football. So there's a lot of issues with that team. Offense is great. Kyle Trask once again came out and just did his thing. Um, you know, Pitts and all everyone on the offensive side, they're they're, they're playing great. There, there's no question. Florida is an elite offense in this country. It's just the defense, as to me, it's it's surprising because they got guys. Uh, they can't get after the quarterback. They can't rush uh, the passer. Uh, and it's really affecting that back end of the defense. Yeah, no question. I mean, Kyle Trask, again, 23 of 32 for 312 yards, four touchdowns, and no picks. If your quarterback does that in SEC play, you should win those football games. Mm-hmm. Um, and that defense just is very inconsistent. And that's the thing, Aaron. Like you said, you know they've got athletes. Is it a schematic thing? I, I don't know. But they, third and Grantham is not a myth. Like, that is a real thing. They give up third downs when they should get off the field. And that's key. I mean, they're not turning the ball over. They're just not stopping and getting off the field on defense. I mean, you let up, let up 41 points to Texas A&M, and an offense that hasn't looked that good nope. this season yet. And, of course, this was the week that I talked up Florida. I gave you my research based on the, the history between Jimbo Fisher against Todd Grantham and against Dan Mullen, and, and it, it is what it was. I mean, Jimbo had not had a lot of success against those guys, and, and yesterday, I mean, they just took care of business in a big way. Florida got off to a nice start, um, but Texas A&M just kept punching back. And what a huge win. You said it. I mean, worried about, legitimately worried about this locker room if Texas A&M had dropped that game. Obviously, it was going to get very noisy around Jimbo Fisher. It's not like he's going anywhere because of his awesome contract. But the expectations at Texas A&M, the shortened season, the week-after-week SEC action, they needed a win in the worst way, and they got one against a top-five opponent. So hat tip to Texas A&M, and Florida, of course not. Of course the season isn't over. They still do have to play Georgia in Jacksonville, but Georgia's defense, wow. I mean, it's going to be a a great, great matchup. Georgia's got to get ready to play Alabama this upcoming weekend. I mean, who knows if Georgia's able to upset the Crimson Tide. We will discuss all of that, of course. The other noon games was Vatech, North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina putting up 56 points. Mm. Um, Sam Howell looking damn good. It's a top 10 team. I mean, the ACC, I- I'll ask you this, and I got this text message late last night, and I kind of laughed it off. Top to bottom, and don't laugh at me, is yeah. the ACC better than the SEC right now, top to bottom? Oh, man, I don't know about better. They're, That's they're, what I said. I, I don't they're, know. They're better than they were last year. I'll give them that. I mean, last year I was praising the AAC as being a better conference than the ACC. But, I mean, look, you had Clemson. Um, Miami obviously did not look great during Clemson, but Clemson's on a different level. Miami's sure. a good football team. NC State's a good football team. North Carolina is, is, is obviously a top-10 team. Notre Dame's a top-10 team. Pitt's not bad. Virginia's not bad. Virginia Tech's not bad. That's a lot uh, of teams. Depth. I mean, finally. It's, 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 it's a depth. It's, it's it's good teams, but I would still think, um, I think the top of the SEC is a little bit deeper. Like the top three or four teams in the SEC, um, it compared to just if you look at the ACC right now, in my mind, it's still Clemson, and then I think there's a drop until you get to North Carolina and Notre Dame. Like mm-hmm. I think Clemson is hit like way beyond. And but Clemson's way beyond a lot of teams and, and most teams and pretty much all teams, honestly, in all of college football. But I just think the top, like I said, the top of the ICC is a little bit more competitive 
compared to the top of the ACC right now. Yeah, and let's just go to that game. Clemson flexed their muscles on Miami. Miami, of course, ranked number seven. They were 3-0, and a ton of momentum. I asked you last week, I said, did this bye week hurt them because they were playing so well and they were rolling downhill? I think it did, but Clemson got the opportunity to show people who they are, and what they are. I mean, if you talk up a big game, put them in prime time against the top 10 opponent, especially in conference, Clemson did what I thought they were going to do. They won 42-17. to Trevor Lawrence put on another clinic, 29-41, 292, and three touchdowns. And you just you can't overlook Travis Etienne, mm. 149 yards and two touchdowns. They have so much on the weapons. sideline there. Oh. That little, with the, the long run he had. I mean, it's just it's amazing to me. Uh, his speed and his funny. I mean, it does seem like he's been there forever, but Derek King did not have his best game throwing the football. Uh, he looked rattled. He did not look comfortable in the pocket. Uh, and it's tough because those dudes on Clemson, they're fast. I mean, it, yeah. you, we've seen him the first couple of games of the season, or the first few games of the season for Miami, being able to break outside the pocket, use his legs and create it. I mean, he still had 84 yards, but for the majority of that game, they had him bottled up. They said, listen, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us from the pocket. Um, Clemson's just, I mean, they, they are, especially watching Alabama this weekend, they are the most complete team in all of yes. football. They are the number one team in college football right now. Alabama, you know, we'll discuss that, but there's some chinks in the armor there. Obviously, Georgia's a very good team, but offensively, they, they, there's still a lot of work to be done outside the football. There's no work to be done for Clemson. There's not at all. The, the no. offense is, is one of the best in the country, and the defense is one of the best in the country. They have a top three offense and a top three defense. So, for the rest of the ACC, I just I don't know. I mean, they're going to have to literally have to fall asleep at some point during a game this year because if they show up and even play a B-plus game, they're going to beat North Carolina. They'll beat Notre Dame. They're going to be in the playoffs. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, there's no doubt. They've got so much depth, so much talent. They took care of business in a big way against a top-10 team. Was Miami overrated? No, they were properly rated. They got up to a great start in the season, but Clemson is head and shoulders the number one team in the nation. And they were able to prove that. How about the Red River rivalry, Aaron? Overtime, four overtimes. Oklahoma upsets Texas to get off their two-game skid. They went 53-45. to And the third overtime was my favorite. Oklahoma blocked a kick. All they needed to do was go out and make a field goal. They gave Gabe Burkett like a 35-yard choice, and uh, he absolutely shanked it. I mean, Duck Hook left, no prayer. They went into four overtimes, and um, Sam Ellinger, man, I was rooting for him. I wanted him to get that win in the Red River rivalry as a senior, go out on top. But Oklahoma, um, Spencer Rattler, they, they got back into it. You know, they're still not in the top 25. Will this move them back into the top 25? I, I would assume so. But they get this much-needed victory in the Red River rivalry, fifty-three to forty-five. Aaron, how weird would it have been to see Oklahoma at one and three if oh. they did lose that game? I mean, it's just—I mean, listen, they—they—they they, they benched Rattler there in the first half. I mean, he had the fumble, he had the interception, came back, played better there in the second half. And I'm with you, man. I thought Ellinger, his senior leadership, would kind of push that team forward, and he balled out six total touchdowns. He did have a couple turnovers, uh, including that one interception that sealed it there in the final overtime, but. Uh, I mean, there's just, I want to say there's no defense in that league. And then, you know, we, we jump into the old Miss Alabama game oh, and there's no, no defense in that game as well. I mean, it just, it seems like defenses in this country are just decided to take 2020 off. I mean, unless you're Georgia or Clemson, it's kind of like, you know what? Defenses take the year, relax. And, and these games are just going to be 50 to 
53 to 45 and 60 something to 50 something. And you're just like, Oh my goodness. Like wake up I know. on that side of the football. And I'm an offensive guy, but for goodness sakes, man, it is just embarrassing to watch when no one can stop anyone. Like I'm just like, Oh miss, please just one time. Give me a stop. Like this is too easy right now. It's just, I don't know. Um, it's, it's, it, it just makes the Georgia defense and the Clemson defense just that much more special when you watch some of these crazy scores going on right now in college football. No, there's no doubt about it. And we're going to dive into that Alabama game here in just a second. I've got some absolutely mind-blowing statistics from yesterday's shootout with Ole Miss. But speaking of no defense, LSU lost again. They go down 45-41 to 41 to I Mizzou. Tell you about that? What I tell you about that Missouri You like that Missouri quarterback. You said you, he's a stud. You said watch out for him, Eli Drinkwitz. Remember, this game was supposed to be in Baton Rouge. It got changed, the time and the location, because of Hurricane Delta down there in Louisiana. Did that matter? I'm not so quite sure. LSU, out of the top 25, Aaron, they are no longer ranked the defending national champions. And what a huge win. What a huge win for Mizzou. Um, they got a lot of questions, and people are saying, "Is this Bo Pelini's fault?" Of course, Bo Pelini getting paid over two million dollars to be LSU's defensive coordinator. I ask this question though, Aaron. Remember what Ed Orgeron was before Joe Burrow and Joe Brady? Remember how Ed Orgeron had not won a conference game when he was the head coach at Ole Miss? Remember how he couldn't get a head coaching job because, you know, I don't know if it was his voice or if it was his history. He was not very hireable. He won that interim role from Les Miles at LSU, and then he hit lightning in a bottle with Joe Burrow and Joe Brady. Those guys are long gone. Is this the same old Coach O that we've grown accustomed to? I don't know. That might be a bit of a stretch, but LSU has got some serious issues down there on the bayou. Defending national champions, we're probably not expecting to be one and two. No. Um, I mean, they're expecting, I mean, th- th- we, we talked about at the beginning of the season, you know, LSU has the most approved just because they, they, they're they bringing back, you know, such few guys from last year's national championship team, but at least they have a cupcake schedule to start the season. I mean, that's what we were saying. At least they have three games yeah. to kind of figure it out before they start playing legitimate competition. They're one and two, uh, but I just can't get over how well Connor Bazelek, the, the quarterback from Missouri, has been playing. The true freshman went out there, ball. dude. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just watching him going back to last week and then discussing him a little bit. He's just calm in the pocket, calm as a little cucumber out there. Nothing phases him. Throws the ball. He can make every throw you want in the book. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a, to me, it's, it's, it's amazing to see because I don't know if I said it last week in the show or not, but the kid was running the triple option in high school. Yeah. This is his second time playing in a game in a pro style offense. And he went out there and threw 29 of 34 for four touchdowns, no picks against the defending champs. It's unbelievable. Like, holy smokes. Uh, <laughs> this kid, this kid is special. So a uh, huge win for Eli. You know, he's a great coach, offensive mind. Obviously we know it's a huge rebuild there. And I mean, not as huge of a rebuild, but oh, it's a big yeah. rebuild going on in Missouri. At least you have a quarterback to build around. That is the positive news there at Missouri. You get someone you can recruit uh, skill guys to uh, and get people excited about that program. So hopefully that you can use the momentum. And for LSU, you know, once again, defensively, just like we saw last year, they got to figure out a way to stop some people on that side of the football. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Holy smokes, indeed. AP Top 25 just came out. Clemson, number one, obviously. 
Alabama number two, kind of a head scratcher to me. Georgia's ranked number three. And guess who four and five are? Notre Dame is four. North Carolina Carolina. is five. That is three ACC teams in the top five. SEC coming in with two. Let's discuss this Alabama Ole Miss game. I mean, what in the hell was going on? This was my flip the field free pick under 70 and a half points. That, of course, did not work out for your boy. Alabama wins 63 to 48. And Aaron, let me read you these statistics real quick from last night's game. No defense was played. And when I say no defense was played, zero defense was played. Here are two statistics that will be absolutely mind-blowing. Follow along. Ole Miss's defense prevented 41 total yards of offense last night. As in, on 11 drives, they allowed nine touchdowns, forced a punt at the 40, and a fumble at the 1. If Alabama gained every possible yard, they would have gained 764 yards, but instead they only gained 723 yards. So Ole Miss stopped 40 yards of offense last night. That's how bad. And this one is unbelievable. This is from Roger Sherman on Twitter. I need you to to text me. I will. He followed that statistic up with this. He says, LOL, here's one that I did not think was possible. Alabama ran 43 plays on first down last night. On those plays, they were more likely to pick up another first down or score a touchdown. That happened 22 times than they were to have any play result in a second down, which only happened 21 (laughs) times. So Alabama (laughs) scored a touchdown or picked up a first down more times than they made it to second down last night. That is unbelievable. Credit to Lane Kiffin for putting points on the board. He clearly knows how to expose Nick Saban's defense. I would assume Kirby Smart maybe gave him a little phone call this morning and said, hey, Lane, buddy, let's discuss Because that was an unbelievable display of offense and a horrifically poor display of defense last night. Those statistics are mind-blowing. Alabama escapes. I would say they escaped last night. 63 to 48. Oh, Ole Miss should have just onside kicked it every time and just said, you know what? Screw this. I I was not mad with Ole Miss two things. I was not mad with the onside kick, and I was not mad with with the field goal. I thought those were fine decisions by Lane Kiffin. Um, at some point your defense needs to buckle up and do something and they just didn't. I mean, it was, it was, if you're a defensive minded guy, you did not want to watch that game last night. And, and uh, listen, Alabama wasn't good either. No. I mean, Matt Corral went off 21 to 28, 365, two touchdowns. They ran the ball like crazy. Connor had 128, uh, Ailey had 120, uh, Corral had 40. Uh, they just, they could not be stopped. Neither offense. I mean, for me, I loved it. I was fun to watch as an offensive guy, oh, but yeah. Um, it, it just, it, it's really concerning to see Alabama because I mean, they, they got guys just like LSU. It's just a head scratcher to me. They got guys on all levels that can play and that are going to be able to play at the next level. For some reason, they just weren't putting it together, but I mean, credit to Ole Miss once again. I mean, we, at some point we just got to stop doubting these guys. They are elite on offense. For sure. Uh, obviously Lane Kiffin made the right decision by making Matt Corral the starting quarterback. The kid has been one of the top quarterbacks in the sec this year. Uh, and this is an offense that, to me, you watch them, they're going to continuously score 40 points plus a game. I mean, that's just that's who they are, and they're going to have to because their defense is going to give up 40-plus points a game too. So uh, Matt Corral is going to have to be on it all year long. 
uh, and, and through the first three games of the season, it looks like he's up to the challenge. But it was entertaining. Uh, but if I'm a Georgia fan, which I am, yes. watching a football game, you're a little bit more encouraged that, hey, we may be able to compete with these yeah. guys this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. It's going to be an awesome matchup in Tuscaloosa. Of course, you and I will break that down later on in the week. We're about to discuss this Georgia-Tennessee game, but I do have to give a hat tip to my favorite team in college football, the Kentucky Wildcats. They beat Mississippi State 24-2. to Oh, what the hell is going on with insane. Mike Leach's offense? Cancel Mike Leach. Fire him. Get him out of here. He had one good week. Get his you, ass you, out of town. Did you see his comments? Mike Leach's comments? Something about, about just... getting malcontents off his team or something yeah. like that. What all did he say? I mean, the guy's a it's total so, wild card. He's just like, those who don't want to be here, it's time to like trim the fat pretty much. Like We're kicking their ass off the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for him. I mean, two points is completely unacceptable, especially after putting 44 on LSU. But I think now we might be realizing that that was more of a referendum on LSU rather yes. than Mississippi State being good. So here I am, hand up. Kentucky fans, let me have it, and you can be very satisfied with your one and four star because you're going to lose to Tennessee and to Georgia. All right, let's get to that Georgia-Tennessee game. It was at 3.30 p.m. yesterday, and Georgia took care of business in a big way in the second half. If you listen to last Thursday's podcast, Aaron and I pretty much hit this nail on the head. Georgia pulled away, put the game in Jared Garantano's hands. It played perfectly to their liking. They beat number 14 ranked Tennessee 44 to 21. Stetson Bennett, Stet the Jet, 16 to 27, 238, two touchdowns. And his quote after the game, Aaron, I think we covered, so that's good. Amen, Stetson, my man. They covered the 12 and a half. Dogs go to 3-0, setting up a huge matchup in Tuscaloosa next weekend. Listen, and, and, and Garantano didn't have a bad football game. I mean, no. he, he wasn't terrible. I in mean, the second half, the, he was. In the first half, he was not. He played great. First off, they couldn't run the ball. They had negative for that offensive <laughs> line. I mean, we talked all week about the offensive line being yes. so dominant and one of the best offensive lines in the country. Negative one-yard rushing. So For the not, game. again. For the game, for once again, let's not put the get loss always on the quarterback. Here. Yes, that offense line was piss poor for Tennessee, and that's how they need to win football games is by dominating the line of scrimmage. And they they had negative one freaking yards rushing. So don't tell me Garantano didn't play well in the second half. He had no help and no support from the big guys up front. And Georgia's defense is sick. I mean, they just the speed and their ability to disguise coverages um, and just swarm guys. They don't miss tackles. They get after the quarterback, tight coverage on the back end. I mean, even the touchdowns, they were tremendous throws, but there was great coverage. I mean, the ball had to be yeah. placed where it was placed to get in the end zone for those scores for Tennessee. But at the end of the day, it should have probably been 44 to 10. Yeah. First touchdown. Snap over the fault. head. Yep. Uh, either the second or third touchdown, if they would have just punted the damn ball and made Tennessee drive the field, probably wouldn't have scored. So that's two touchdowns that should not have happened. So, I'll give him a field goal instead of a touchdown for that one drive. So it should have been 44 to 10. Game should have been over midway through the third quarter. Yeah. And, you know, Georgia went for it on fourth and one before halftime, Which didn't score. Stupid. I thought you should so take stupid. the points there as well. But I, then again, the, I, no. I think that they what knew. About the, what about going for it on their own 35 yard line? Yeah. That was, I, I don't with like a, that with a, either. With a 5'11 quarterback. I love Stetson, but he ain't the guy you want to do a QB sneak with. That's just situational football. You have to play. You're the, the, the best defense there. in the country. Exactly. 
Just exactly. punt it and play great defense. No, there's no doubt about it. And that's exactly what they did in the second half. You know, I'd love to have been in the locker room at halftime. I'm sure Quavo was. We might need to text him and ask him what Coach Smart said to get the boys fired up. But they came out in the second half and did exactly what they needed to do. Put the game in Garantano's hands, okay? You just said it. Negative one rushing yard for the entire game. That's insane, especially when I've been talking up Tennessee's offensive line. The media is telling you how many five stars they have on it. Cade Mays is back. You know Jim Cheney wants to run the ball to open up the passing game. Negative one for the game is completely unacceptable. You will get your ass kicked in the SEC if you do that, and if you turn the ball over, it's a recipe for disaster. Another recipe for disaster that I want to touch on was George Pickens. All right, George Pickens yesterday, <laughs> spraying the water bottle, talking shit after plays. Like, And I, I tweeted this out, and I got a pretty good amount of flack, so I just want to clarify it, okay? I said George Pickens, as of right now, may be one of the most overrated players in Georgia's had in a long, long time. And let me I'm just say you. this. It's not his fault. It's the fans' fault. You guys act like he's A.J. Green 2.0. He's young. He runs a great fade route. He needs to become more versatile. And then you add in the character issues, and he's not dependable. So you can't depend on him week to week. You can't put him inside at the slot position. You can't put him in a tunnel screen, throwing the ball, and expect him to break loose and take it 70 yards. He is what he is right now. Let him become a better player. Let him mature. He is not A.J. Green 2.0. He is not Tavares King. He is not Terrence Edwards. Right now, he's George Pickens. Let's just see what happens. The biggest thing for George Pickens is the emergence of Kiaris Jackson. If Kiaris can take some attention away from George, maybe that weight gets off his shoulders and he can blossom and become that total package receiver. But chill out. Pickens is a beast. He's not A.J. Green. You got to let him develop. That's all I meant by that. I And Aaron, I think necessarily you kind of opened my eyes to that. Because I was drinking the Kool-Aid of people going, Pickens is awesome. Pickens is a preseason All-American. I just haven't seen it yet. For, for a number one wide receiver with all that hype on an SEC team, his production is not matching the hype. Well, it's because he runs one route. He runs a back shoulder <laughs> yeah. fade and a go ball. That's it. There's nothing else to his game. Like there, There's no explosion. That's why I've been saying for weeks now, Georgia has no explosive players on the outside. There's no one that can take a tunnel screen or slant and turn into a big explosive plays like you see some of these other teams. So, I mean, I agree. It's good to see some of these other guys get involved. Jackson's been really great yeah. here as of late. Uh, that kid, Byrne, I know a lot of coaches are – the coaching staff's really excited about him and his future, and you saw some giddy-up with him and some quickness uh, throughout that ball game with a couple catches that he had. So, yeah, I agree. Pickens needs to grow up um, and, and just show us some more. Like, if I'm a, if I'm a scout watching him, that's it. That, what other routes have you seen Pickens catch besides a back shoulder st- – a back shoulder – a eight yard hitch or a fade. And that's those it. were the that from specials too. I mean, yeah. from through those that balls. Great. And that's yes. what made him get all this hype. And look, I understand that. Let's just put it this way. If you're going to be spraying water on people, talking shit, fighting against player at Georgia tech, you better ball out because that's how those things get excused. If you're just middling as a, as an average wide receiver and then putting your team in danger with penalties and extracurriculars, it ain't going to fly. Look, I'm rooting for George Pickens. I hope he has an awesome game at Alabama, but let George Pickens be George Pickens. He is not A.J. Green. What did you think about the Tennessee player getting ejected for the targeting call? Okay, I know by the book it's targeting. It was targeting. But, the I mean, Stetson didn't even fall to the ground. I, mean, I don't that, care. It, it's it, not it, malicious. 
It was because the fact is he threw the ball and there was plenty of time for the defender not to duck his head and hit him head to helmet to helmet. So I think that was what really pissed me off at the end. Of, I think if it was like a bang bang thing, yeah, maybe we kind of figure it out from there. But the fact that Setson threw the ball, the ball was clearly gone, yeah, and he still went after the quarterback and, and it made helmet to helmet contact. I'm I'm with the officials. I thought they made the right call on that one. The one that really pissed me off was what game was it? I was watching. Um, it was a crackback call. Might have been the old Miss game um, versus Alabama. It was a crackback, and it was the softest crackback I've ever seen in my life. I mean, at some point, he pretty much just guy, got in the way. He just got in the way. You got to block the guy. It's not like it was. A, it wasn't a blow up block. It was a good block. The guy didn't fall to the ground. Nothing. He just he hit him with his shoulder, uh, and they called it a crackback because the guy wasn't looking. Like, what do you what What do you expect the guy to do at that point? He didn't crush him. He didn't come in there and lift off and and just completely try to take his head off. He blocked him. And now you're going to turn it into a 15, 10, 15-yard penalty. Um, sometimes it is a little bit too soft nowadays. But going back to the original question, yes, that was a targeting call. I just thought it was completely unnecessary to go after Setson at that point. All right. Uh, another call that I thought was a little bit iffy was Azizo Jalari, who was whooping ass all game. He is a beast edge rusher. So is Nolan Smith. I mean, Georgia has a legitimate pass rush. For real, they can get after the quarterback with four, pair their secondary with them, and their second level. I mean, this defense is very, very much for real. But, like, the Tennessee player, I mean, mood, tug the jersey, flag. I was like, you know, what are we doing? Look, I get it. I just love being hypercritical of referees. I understand that. Last thing, and then we're going to wrap this one up. I I thought it was going to go viral. I I chefed up this tweet, and I'm like, oh, my God, this has got to go viral. Pruitt's checkered bonnet versus Kirby's lingerie see-through face mask. Time out. What about what about Lane Kiffin's uh, panties that he was wearing? <laughs> yeah, what face? is going what, on? Like, like what is what is, what Lane Kiffin? Nothing that nothing was preventing anything from coming. If there was COVID out there, it would have easily gotten to him <laughs> yeah. because there was nothing underneath there. Like it was literally a pair of panties around his face. I'm like, what are you wearing, Lane? Like someone needs to talk to these coaches and get on the same page because it's just <laughs> it's not a good look for the SEC. Pruitt is covering everything except his mouth and nose. I mean, it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And Kirby's face mask is see-through. Clearly it works because it looks very official, but it looks like a piece of lingerie. It looks like a dominatrix wear this or something. I was just laughing my ass off when I chefed up that tweet, put a poll out. It's got like 800 votes and people like Kirby's lingerie face mask better than Jerry. I don't know. Ryan Kiffin's is pretty damn checkered bonnet. I know. I got to post a picture of Kiffinator up there. He is just so. Hey, hey, what about, let's, well, before we we log off, your thoughts on the, did you see the Bo Nix lateral, non lateral nonsense? Yes. Arkansas should be two and one right now. Yes. And Felipe Frank should be on people's shoulders. Going around campus at the moment. <laughs> Felipe Frank should be Heisman list for Aaron Murray. No, but you're for real. That was absolutely bizarre. And I mean, for I'm I'm glad Sam Pittman was ripping that ref's ass after the game. They should have been two and one. Yep. That was a lateral. It was not yep. an incomplete pass. So I don't understand uh, how they were able to get away with that. Auburn's kicker because the whistle through. was blown and no one clearly made. The fumble recovery afterwards. No say, official okay. recovery. Yeah, no official recovery was made, so that's why. Unbelievable. But you're right, and I said it last week. I was like, do not sleep on Arkansas. They've got Aaron's Heisman frontrunner and Felipe Franks, and they've got Kendall Briles Dude, he was and Barry Odom. Dude, he was going off. 
I know. That last touchdown he had, he rolled it, scooted up in the pocket and threw in the back left corner. I was like, that's, that, I mean, he has that talent. He just, he's got his, once again, just got to get his own damn way. But how crazy is that? Arkansas should have been two and freaking one to start the season uh, with two big victories. Uh, it's unfortunate for Pittman because, you yeah. know, talk about a team that gained some confidence. That would have been great. You played Georgia well in the first half, uh, and then you come out and win the next two games. That's how you get a program moving in the right direction. Yeah. So Auburn, Auburn escaped with one right, right there. But that's just, to me, um, this is not a, this is not a great Auburn team. So I guess, I mean, let's go back to your, our, our original statements earlier in the show about the ACC versus SEC. I mean, it is closer than it was in, in the past, in the previous years. It's a lot closer because teams like Auburn, who we expected to be good, teams like A&M, um, those middle-of-the-pack teams for the SEC right now are not playing elite football. Um, I know A&M had, did have a big win versus Florida this weekend, but still – I don't know, man. It, it's a lot closer. The middle of the pack of the SEC and the middle of the pack of the ACC yeah. are pretty much neck and neck. I still think, like I said, the top of the SEC gives me – I give a little bit of a nod uh, over the top of the ACC right now. But overall, it's its its a lot more competitive than obviously the Big 12 is. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. And I'm reading a, a, a press release from SEC officiation uh, officiating committee. During the subsequent replay review, there is conclusive video evidence that the pass was, in fact, backwards. However, because recovery of the football was not clearly made in the immediate continuing football action, the ruling on the field was determined to stand. So there you go. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, We both went two and three in punt, pass, and pick last week. I had a couple of dumb picks, Texas, Florida, Virginia Tech. Um, but we said I'm I'm third I'm 14 and 11 on the season against the spread. Aaron, what, you what are 13 our, and 12. What are our locks? Do our locks count as a, yeah. you, yours went over. You went over in the. Um, did you go over in the Texas Oklahoma game? Let me look yeah, that up. I went over quick. in the Texas. Oklahoma yeah, so game. obviously that hit, and I missed on my flip the field free pick with the under in the Bama Ole Miss game. I was hit like in the beginning of the quarter. <laughs> So you're 3-0 and on your locks. I'm 2-1. and um, College football openers, Bama's a 5-point favorite against Georgia. The total's 51. Florida's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite against LSU. That total's 69. Notre Dame, 14 at Louisville. And Clemson, 26-and-a-half-point favorite against Georgia Tech. All right, we have an awesome week getting ready for this Georgia-Alabama game. Another huge – I really am loving this all-SEC schedule. Yep. It is fantastic. Anything on the way out, my man? No, I'm with you, man. I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. It was a kooky weekend, and I think it's going to be uh, kind of crazy through the way out. But like I said earlier, if you're a Georgia fan, you know, about two weeks ago, you're like, we're going to get our ass whooped by Alabama. Yeah. It ain't looking too hot. I had Alabama fans texting me this morning like, hey, what do you think about the game this weekend now all of a sudden? Like, yeah. you can tell Alabama all of a sudden is a little bit nervous. Like, I, I, I do think that the, the uh, emotions, because it's a very emotional game, I think the emotions and the energy – um, right now is is somewhat in favor of Georgia, honestly, after this past weekend. I think Georgia's feeling pretty darn good, where Alabama's all of a sudden thinking, like, are we are we elite? Are we that good? Yep. Uh, because we just pretty much crapped the bed defensively. So maybe we're not as good as we thought we were. And I think Georgia's like, oh, we're as good as we thought we were. We are, we are elite defensively, and yep. our offense is getting better. So 
uh, a lot more positive energy for the Bulldogs heading into this weekend. No, there's no doubt about it. If, if there's any opportunity for an assistant of Nick Saban's to end this record, you know damn it's well Kirby Smart is licking his chops and saying, guys, we need all hands on deck. We can't turn the ball over. If our defense comes to play, we will have a great shot at winning. One last note on the way out. Uh, big fan of the podcast. Brian Walters sent a great tweet out yesterday. He said, Dan Mullen saying 30,000 fans at A&M were a major factor in their loss is either the greatest compliment to those 30 fans or the most pathetic excuse because your team plays in the SEC and you can't handle 25% capacity. What a joke. Interesting for sure. Mullen said he wants the the swamp to be packed. I don't know if COVID will allow that, but um, yeah, I mean, it was a big factor. Crazy. Crazy. All right, head on over to puntandpass.com for everything that you need in the college football world. Follow us on social media at puntandpass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. He is at Aaron Murray 11. We will talk to you later on this week. See you.